Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Welcome in to Outkick the Show. I'm your fearless leader, Clay Travis. I hope all of you are having a spectacular Thursday wherever you may be across this great country or this great land. I am fired up. Get your popcorn. I'm about to go off. But first, I've got to tell you, how about you go sign up at fanduel.com slash clay. Brand new users. This is new users, so don't blow me up if you've already signed up. Brand new users right now get an option to go 25-1 to on the money line for Tennessee to beat Arkansas. $5 max bet. $5 max bet pays out at $125. All right? That is a big-time production. $5 max bet pays out at $125 meaning you win $120 on a $5 bet if Tennessee beats Arkansas. Now I understand if you're nervous about whether or not Tennessee is going to beat Arkansas. That's very valid but the risk reward here is pretty fantastic. Saturday is going to be the first day that you can legally bet on sports from your phone in the state of Tennessee. FanDuel.com slash Clay. One more time FanDuel.com slash Clay and you are going to be well on your way to hopefully making $120. I'm going to say it one more time. If you'll all go do it I won't have to say it anymore because we'll run out of people to sign up. FanDuel.com slash Clay. right, The election counting that is now in its third day is an unmitigated disaster for our country. Georgia, Nevada, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, North Carolina all of these places with tight elections are disasters. It is an embarrassment to everyone who is an American regardless of whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. It has to be solved and it has to be solved now. Let me give you an example. In 2000 we all, those of us who are old enough to remember saw what happened when an election was extremely close in the state of Florida. Florida's election systems completely collapsed. It took 37 days and the Supreme Court getting involved to figure out who actually won the state of Florida and that was George W. Bush being put into office. Right now what we are seeing is multiple Floridas. Georgia, Nevada, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, North Carolina all of these states are incredibly close and as a result their systems have failed. There may well be fraud going on there certainly is incompetence galore. These states are not made for elections to be this close and as a result you can't have any confidence in the result whatsoever. I worked on the Al Gore 2000 presidential campaign for years I was embittered over the way that election ended because I still believe that Al Gore got more votes in Florida in 2000 than George W. Bush did 
incompetence in the state of Florida led to Bush winning the state which subsequently meant that Bush was elected President of the United States in 2000, all right? I believe that same incompetence if Joe Biden wins is going to lead to Joe Biden being elected President of the United States and it has to be fixed. It just has to. doesn't matter which side of the equation you're on. The single most important thing that a democracy does is allow people the right to vote and select their leaders. But as a result we have to believe in our elections as being honest representations of what actually happened. We can't have people who have been dead for 20 years voting in elections. We can't have mass harvesting of ballots where you're allowed to show up with 20,000 consecutive votes all made for the exact same person. We can't allow that. In my ideal universe what we would have is almost everybody needs to vote in person. I've been in favor of people voting in person my entire life. I go vote in person. If you have significant reasons why you can't if you're in the military and you're overseas I understand. But with early voting now so prevalent you have like two weeks to decide who to go vote for and where to go vote. It's never been easier to go vote. I always want to go vote in person because I don't want someone else to be in control of whether or not my voice arrives. I don't want a mail-in ballot because I don't know where the mail-in ballot goes. I don't want to rely on the post office. I don't want an absentee ballot because I've got two weeks where theoretically I can vote. And so we have got to figure out how to make voting in this country work. I know we can do it because Florida is a perfect example of how to fix a system when it is broken. Look at how good Florida did in an incredibly contentious 2020 election having their results out there by like 9.30 Eastern everybody knew who had won the state of Florida on the night of the election. Every single state should have policies and protocols in place where the announcement of who won is made by midnight on the night of the election. There should be a cutoff point within a few hours after the election officially ends where pretty much all of the votes have to be in. If that means that you're counting earlier in some situations that's fine but we can't end up in what's going on right now where it feels like in many of these jurisdictions all of the Trump votes are in and now it appears Georgia's a great example of this that there is a manufactured effort fair or foul one of the things you learn when you are uh, when you are in law school is that in federal election type events we always focus on impropriety and the appearance of impropriety. Because if you can't prove that something improper is going on the appearance of impropriety drastically pulls down the overall value of our electoral system as well. Well it certainly appears improper when Donald Trump has a massive lead with 90 some odd percent of the election ballot supposedly counted in Georgia and now we're still days later allowing votes to still come in all of which are set up to oppose him. And I say this as someone who has been on both sides of the controversy over the last 20 years. I worked on Al Gore's 2000 presidential race and I still believe that he won in Florida. And I voted for Donald Trump and I believe that if the proper protocols were in place in this country 
that Donald Trump would have been re-elected president in 2020. I don't know what's going to end up happening but that is a perfect example of what we need more of. Process and precedent focused solutions as opposed to means-based decisions. In other words, if you don't understand the difference if you believe something is proper because it benefits you that's not a proper precedent, okay? What we need is precedents that are applied evenly. That's the entire purpose of the legal system. If we just decide what result we want and then bend the law to reflect what that result should be that is not a system of government or law that we can rely upon. The entire purpose of the law as it exists this is me putting my lawyer hat is to give guidance for people in the future. You need to know what is considered proper and improper in order to make sure that you act within the bounds of the law and the failures that we're seeing right now in Georgia, Nevada, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan that's a lot of states. That is seven states right now that effectively are 2,000 Florida. That means that many of the systems we have in place are failing us. And by the way it might not just be those seven states that are failing but they are close enough where the failures are readily apparent to all of us, right? There are probably inefficiencies in many different state electoral systems but they are slanted in such a way to Republicans or to Democrats that the fine line between success and failure winning and losing isn't magnified because those states all have one party or the other that is a significant favorite so it doesn't come down to the line. We're talking about seven states. Seven states that are deciding who the President of the United States is and all of them are breaking in some form or fashion and we still don't have rational reasons to explain why the votes ended up in those jurisdictions the way that they did. Okay? That's a fundamentally broken political process there is certainly the appearance a huge appearance of impropriety and that is the entire foundation of much of the law that surrounds election jurisprudence. We don't just talk about impropriety we talk about the appearance of impropriety which can be just as destructive to the overall ability of any jurisdiction to be able to figure out who actually won the elections which is the foundational issue that is the most important in any democracy. Who won the elections? Who gets the right to govern? It's literally the most important thing out there and if we don't solve it it is a massive issue. So regardless of whether you are a Republican regardless of whether you are a Democrat regardless as if you are an independent I think everybody should study Florida. Right now as soon as this election is over and figure out what Florida did because Florida is always on the razor's edge. Florida is a 50-50 state. We know that it's going to be an incredible battleground every single year to find out who's going to win and so you have to be able to put the right processes in place so that we have faith in the elections to come. Look, Georgia it appears is going to have two Senate races in January. Two of them. Is there anyone at all confident that that is going to be a fairly implemented election based on what they are seeing in the state of Georgia right now? I don't have any confidence at all. You can't have ballot harvesting 
You can't have all this ridiculousness where it takes days after the election to find out who actually won because it looks like what's going on is you find out what the opponent has posted as his overall vote total and then you do whatever it can, whatever you can to get a vote total that is more substantial than that. I'm telling you right now that is an inherent flaw of the election. It is not right and it has to be remedied and it has to be remedied now. We can't go through this in 2024. I think the person who won the election ended up losing in 2000 and I think there's a good chance the person who won the election in 2020 is going to end up losing as well. That's not right no matter what side of the equation you sit on and I'm in the ironic spot of having been an Al Gore guy in 2000 and now being a Donald Trump guy in 2020 I've managed to lose both sides of the equation. The only thing that prepares me for this is being a Tennessee sports fan. We lose all the time every game just about it feels like. So the only reason I can feel comfortable losing both sides of the election equation is it just reminds me of what being a football fan in the state of Tennessee is like. ESPN has cut 500 jobs. It's the biggest job cut in the history of ESPN. It's brutal. It's absolutely brutal. I feel for all the people that are losing their jobs right now at ESPN. This is the culmination and it will continue. It's not over yet. This is what I told you over the past several years was going to happen. ESPN's business is going to collapse. It is now collapsing. They are on the process, on the way to losing 50% of their cable and satellite subscribers. What's fascinating about this is when I started writing about this ESPN had 100 million subscribers in 2012. You can go back and read the things that I wrote in 2012. I said they are in significant trouble. New forecasts are that by 2025 and this is probably still being lenient they're only going to have 50 million subscribers. That's 50 million lost subscribers for ESPN. I got some quick math here for you. I think it's going to blow your mind. 50 million lost subscribers. I'm not even sure that I can do the math correctly here. Times $10 a month which is what ESPN has been making times 12 months a year that is I believe $6.9 billion a year in lost revenue that ESPN is going to lose in the years ahead that's unbelievable when you think about the impact on the bottom line somebody can go through that and make sure that my math is correct the answer is billions and billions of dollars of lost revenue and it's why they're going to continue to cut they have no other options in order to try and protect their business and frankly I would almost guarantee you that Disney is trying frantically to figure out a way to spin ESPN off or to sell it to someone else because and this is interesting from a business perspective ESPN doesn't produce hardly any original content. If you think about what business Netflix, Disney Plus, Hulu uh, uh, all of the HBO Plus or whatever the heck it's called all of the streaming services by and large are about what? Controlling their own original content. ESPN produces almost no original content that actually matters. They rent the right to put games on from someone else. Well that might make sense potentially as a distribution partner but in terms of original content that matters ESPN has almost none. Think about this. HBO 
for all time now will have Game of Thrones. If my kids want to sit down and watch an episode of Game of Thrones when they get old enough to see it, that's going to have value for HBO for years to come. Friends, Seinfeld, The Office, old sitcoms have massive value for all of those streaming services because some people just want to veg out in this serious time that we live and kick back and watch an old episode of The Office or Friends or Seinfeld or whatever it may be. Same thing for movies. You'll go back and nostalgically watch an old movie. Last night, I asked my six-year-old what he wanted to watch. My kids have already pivoted to Christmas now that it's November. We watched the old 1964 version of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. We have everything you can possibly sign up for in my house. Disney Plus, WWE Network, Hulu, uh, Netflix, you name it. If you can pay for a streaming service, Peacock, whatever it is, HBO, I've got it, all right? We pay for it in my house. Uh, And as a result, the only thing I really watch on television is live news when there's a news story and also sports. That's it. So all of that is disappearing from the bundle and it's going to have a massive impact on the overall valuation of sports in general because sports has been getting a free ride off of people who never watch it. LeBron James makes $40 million a year-ish to play in the NBA and he makes tens of millions of those dollars off people who are paying for a cable of satellites, cable and satellite bundle that they'll never watch. The vast majority of people who have cable and satellite right now don't watch the NBA in a year and yet they're paying Disney slash ESPN hundreds of millions if not billions of dollars for that programming of the NBA. So the 500 job cuts are about all of that money and subscription revenue disappearing. Now they can also blame COVID but all COVID has done is accelerated the cycle that they were already on. You don't understand what I mean by that. This was already going to happen. The fact that there were no games and revenue declined even more precipitously put them on a faster front onto the curve of failure faster than they would have otherwise been there as a result. So ESPN, I was told, decided to make these cuts this week because they knew that so much attention would be on the election and they wanted to get the cuts out before it got closer to the holidays so they were hoping that it wouldn't get as much attention if they dropped the news a couple of days after the election. Washington and Cal. The Pac-12 is finally scheduled to come back and play college football this weekend but Washington and Cal has already been canceled before either team is able to uh, kick off reportedly because of one positive asymptomatic case on the team. This is insanity. Treating positive cases for healthy people as if they are of danger to 19 and 20 and 21 year olds is pure insanity, okay? If you feel sick, stay home. If you don't feel sick, then go to work. That's been the rule my entire life, okay? Truthfully. And honestly, the rule has been, if you want to be a little bit more honest, if you don't feel really sick, then you need to go to work. Now we are telling people if someone around you tests positive even if they're asymptomatic and even if you feel perfectly fine you have to go home and quarantine yourself for two weeks. This is nonsensical. This is my biggest issue 
in the election in general is my concern is Joe Biden is going to try to shut down the country again because he doesn't understand basic economics and he's never run a business in his life. My business didn't shut down at all for COVID. We're fortunate because we get to work remotely and our business is putting things up on the internet, right? So we have a lot of knowledge-based skill workers who can work from home. But if I owned a business that relied on people being able to walk up every single day and enter my business, I would be losing my mind over the restrictions. I own a bar, part of a bar in downtown Nashville. I'm fortunate that that's a small part of my overall uh, assets. But it's not a small part of the life of bartenders or waiters and waitresses or people who rely on a paycheck every single week to be able to help their family and the fact that we've got schools closed on top of that means that the people who are the poorest and can't afford childcare or Wi-Fi or, or computer access are falling further and further behind. For all this talk about the right side of history and equality the most wrong side of history opinion and the most unequal position that anyone in my life has ever found itself in are the left-wing Democrats arguing in favor of shutdowns which are destroying the childhood education of the poorest Americans. The richest Americans have pod schooling or they have private tutors or they're allowed to go to private school. This is an amazing story that doesn't get enough attention. The richer the private school, the more likely it is to be open while public schools in the same area are closed. This went on for months in Nashville, my hometown. I was a public school kid. I went to K-12. through My parents couldn't afford high-end private school education. I would have been falling behind. We didn't have a computer at home. I didn't have the internet until I went to college. I'm not saying I was incredibly poor. Far from it. I was very middle class. Straight in the middle of middle class. Didn't really know it when you were a kid growing up because I wasn't around a lot of rich people. But this is a fundamental failure. It's a fundamental failure of American society. The biggest of my life and the worst I believe in this country since the Vietnam War. And Washington Cal being canceled because of one asymptomatic test is just further evidence of that failure. Florida Georgia is going on this weekend. I love Georgia. Tap the veins. It is my blood bank guarantee. Cocktail party is one of the greatest sporting events we do in America every single year. I love it. I've been down in Jacksonville several different times. It's a phenomenal time. All right? I think Georgia has no offense. Stetson Bennett, last six quarters, Georgia has scored 14 points. They've thrown a bunch of interceptions. They haven't moved the ball very well. They lack explosiveness on offense in the playmaker position. Meanwhile, Florida is stocked with talent. They have got so much talent at tight end, at running back, at wide receiver, and most importantly for all of it, at quarterback with Kyle Trask who I think has a very good chance to be a first-round draft pick. Big, strong, sees the field well in the pocket, runs the right offense, physical. I love everything about Kyle Trask. I made the argument that he could be the Joe Burrow of the 2020 SEC season. It's difficult to compare anybody to Burrow because he had the best season in the history of college football in my mind. Second best, by the way, Cam Newton. But I think Kyle Trask is going to get a victory for Florida. The Gators are three and a half point underdogs. I think they should be favored in this game. And as a result, I am all over Florida. Tap the veins, boys and girls. They're my blood bank guarantee. Clemson, Notre Dame. I'm doing it even though it might be absurd, I'm betting on Notre Dame. The Fighting Irish lose every time they have a big game, anytime they have a big opponent. 
trust me, I've lost a lot of money on Notre Dame every single year. And yet, here I am back again making the same decision. I've got Notre Dame plus five and a half in this game against Clemson. I'm telling you right now, I think Clemson is going to miss Trevor Lawrence in a big way. Notre Dame has enough horses. If you look at the recruiting class rankings, Brian Kelly has done a good job building up the overall talent of Notre Dame to where they have a top 10 talent roster. And I believe if they can't beat Clemson now, they are a total sham program who will never win a big game. It's now or never. I have got Notre Dame plus the five and a half points. Now, I have got also a bunch right now of, uh, of setup and I would encourage you guys to check this out. Here are my gambling picks. And by the way, I acknowledge my college football gambling picks have been bad. Maybe I've been picking, maybe I've had COVID the whole year. Maybe I've had COVID and that's why my gambling picks are so bad. I'm not sure, but I got 12 of them for you this weekend. They're up on OutKick if you want to see them. Again, right now, fanduel.com slash Clay. Go sign up. You can legally gamble on sports in Tennessee for the first time ever. That also means you can drive across the state line. Kentucky, Alabama, Mississippi, Georgia, North Carolina, uh, Missouri, Arkansas, Virginia. All of you, that's eight states. All of you can cross the border. Did you see the video? I mean, the picture that I just put out? If you land at the airport now in Nashville and go to baggage claim, you will see my face telling you, hey, you can gamble on sports here now if you're coming in for a bachelor party, if you're coming home for the holidays. FanDuel.com slash Clay. The minute that you are in the state of Tennessee, you are able to gamble. Make sure you do it. FanDuel.com slash Clay. 25 to 1 payoff on the balls right now. Here are my picks. Nebraska, plus 3.5 at Northwestern. Liberty, plus 14.5 at Virginia Tech and the over... 67 and a half. Michigan, minus three at Indiana. You can go read my logic. I just told you my blood bank uh, pick. Florida, plus three and a half at Georgia. Maryland at Penn State. I like Penn State, minus 25 and the over, 62 and a half. Texas A&M at South Carolina. South Carolina, plus 10 and a half. Clemson at Notre Dame. Notre Dame, plus five and a half. Rutgers at Ohio State. Ohio State minus 37 and a half and the aforementioned Tennessee Volunteers on the road at Arkansas minus one and a half and the over 52 and a half in that game. I think Tennessee wins 31 to 27. But go to fanduel.com slash clay 25 to one $5 bet you win $120 if the Vols win that game. Uh, That is almost everything. Tonight, Thursday night football, the Packers on the road against the 49ers. I have got the Packers to win by a touchdown or more against the 49ers who are without George Kittle, Jimmy Garoppolo, racked with injuries. I think the Packers bounce back behind Aaron Rodgers and that awful performance they had against the Vikings and cover the number on the road against the 49ers. I also think they get revenge for the two beatings that they took last year. One last time, fanduel.com slash clay. Fanduel.com slash clay to get your 25 to 1 offer. I am Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Show. Be uh, live on Fox Bet Live in just a little bit at 5 o'clock Eastern, 4 o'clock Central, 3 o'clock Mountain, 2 o'clock Pacific. 
DBAP unless you need to SBAP. I got to go pick up my kids at school and then I'll be on television this afternoon. Kisses for all of you but especially for the haters. Thanks for making me so successful. This has been OutKick, the show.